Welcome to Blood Moon Milk, the astrology podcast that comes out every new and full moon to help guide you on your mindful meditation and manifestation journey. Now, welcome to Blood Moon Milk. That music was written by our editor, Adam McIntyre. I'm your host, Aurora, and this episode is all about the super blood full moon eclipse in Leo. This is also known as the wolf moon. Eclipses come as a match set, so this is the mate to the last eclipse we had on the new moon in Capricorn. Leo is the sign opposite Capricorn on the zodiological wheel, so that's why we think of this as a matched set. We've got a lot of eclipse info to cover today, but before we get into that, let's go ahead and start off with a song, I Am a Wolf, You Are the Moon, by Craig Wedren off of Adult Desire. We'll be right back with all that eclipse goodness.
So what is a super blood moon eclipse and what does it mean for it being a full moon? Let's break it down in chunks. So first, what is a supermoon? Our planet's moon will be at its perigee, meaning that the moon will be at its closest point in its orbit to the Earth. This qualifies it for supermoon status. That makes the moon look extra big and extra bright in our night sky. It can be up to 14% bigger and 30% brighter than a full moon at its farthest point from the Earth, which is also known as its apogee. Perigee, apogee, perigee, apogee, perigee, apogee, perigee, apogee. Say that five times fast. I'm impressed. I didn't just stumble over my words. This is the first of three supermoons in 2019. The others will be on February 19th and March 21st. Of these, the February 19th full moon will be the closest and the largest full moon of 2019, so you have that to look forward to next month. That said, this isn't just any super blood full moon though, it's also an eclipse. This type of eclipse happens when the full moon passes into the shadow of the Earth. A total lunar eclipse occurs when the moon and the sun are on the exact opposite sides of the Earth, according to NASA. This also has to do with why it's considered a blood moon. Which, by the way, I mean, we kind of get our name from blood moons. So, blood moon milk. It's all about that rare spectacle that gets you excited trying to figure out what it means. And then making it fun and easy and... uh kind of warm and gives you something good to think about while digesting all that information. That's kind of the goal of this podcast. Science moment! Although the moon is in the Earth's shadow, some sunlight still reaches the moon. The sunlight that passes through the Earth's atmosphere causes our atmosphere to filter out most of the blue light. So that leaves us with this sort of red-looking moon, which is why it's called a blood moon. The moon won't turn black or vanish from the sky in the shadow of the Earth. Instead, it'll appear to be a coppery reddish color. Of course, the blood moon can be really dramatic to witness on a clear night, and ancient civilizations thought that the blood moon came with evil intent. I mean, before we had Netflix, or the internet, or movies, or cell phones, we had the stars, and people had imaginations. So imagine being in ancient times and looking up at the sky and seeing the moon turn red. The ancient Incans interpreted the deep red coloring as a jaguar attacking and eating the moon. And in ancient Mesopotamia, a lunar eclipse was considered a direct assault on the king. And the Mesopotamians which really persisted of the Babylonians and the Assyrians, were excellent at their ability to predict an eclipse with pretty reasonable accuracy. So the Assyrians would put in a proxy king to sit on the throne as the king, just in case something bad were to happen to the king during this lunation. This person was pretty unpopular, usually. Just saying. Nobody really wants that job. And the real king would go into hiding and wait for the eclipse to pass. Christian culture equates lunar eclipses with the wrath of God and often associates it with the crucifixion of Jesus. It's notable that Easter is the first Sunday after the first full moon of spring, making sure that an eclipse can never fall on Easter Sunday. If you miss this total lunar eclipse, you'll have to wait until May 26, 2021 for the next one, if you're in the United States. Let's talk about why eclipses are powerful manifesting tools and what to expect energetically. Eclipses tend to have a bit of a delayed impact. Imagine a sonic boom. 
You see an object going fast as fuck and it's impressive to watch, but it may be completely out of sight and gone when you hear the actual sound and feel the impact that it made. Events that occur in the days around an eclipse are always impactful. A good rule of thumb is plus or minus 10 days surrounding the event, and the events in question seem to have a surprising quality to them that may even seem faded or feel like they were sort of predestined in hindsight. Astrologically speaking, eclipses occurring before or after birth tend to have an effect upon the life of the individual. If a natal eclipse is eclipsed again, that is, occurring near the same degree, the effects are always even more intense. It's pretty safe to say not to initiate any major projects during the two days before and the day of the eclipse. If you initiate projects just before the eclipse, something else will come along and quote-unquote eclipse that event. Eclipses can act like a shock to the system to get things moving, and any change in direction can feel chaotic. The universe has its own wisdom that we're not always privy to, and it can leave us asking, why me, if it really affects you? And, well, here's the answer. Why you? If you have planets that correspond to the mathematical degree of the eclipse in your natal chart, you'll note the news of the eclipses in a dramatic way, usually relating to the themes of that planet and its placement. You'll see an eclipse works retrograde, starting at the high mathematical degree and working backward to early degrees. So just because you have something in Leo doesn't mean that this Leo eclipse is actually going to affect you as intensely as you might think it would otherwise. I feel like I just heard all the Leos listening breathe a huge sigh of relief. This means that most people don't feel every eclipse in every family of signs, and only the ones touching the planets, the sun, the moon, or your ascendant in the natal chart that corresponds to a close degree that this eclipse is occurring to. So again, luckily it's not everyone every single time, but when it is, I hope you can be prepared for it. This eclipse occurs at one degree of Leo, so any planets that you have that are in the first degree of whatever sign are primed to be feeling the effects of this eclipse. If you would like more info, I would be happy to cast your natal chart for you. You can purchase that on the website or you can schedule a one-on-one astrology session with me. We can go over lots of other stuff too. With this eclipse, I'll use my own birth chart info. I already mentioned that this eclipse occurs at one degree Leo and my natal Mars is at one degree in Pisces. So I can intuit to be on the lookout for my Mars to be triggered. A triggered Mars isn't a walk in the park, and it can cause sudden outbursts, so I'll be extra mindful of my actions. However, a triggered natal Piscean Mars can involve dreams and a lot of emotions as well. The exact what, why, whens, and how are yet to be determined by life in the universe, but at least I kind of know what to be on the lookout for. Keep me in your thoughts and because this could really be an explosive and an emotional eclipse for me. And I'll be sure to keep you informed if anything comes up that I think is interesting or I find any insights that I think would be relevant to the show. Full moons in general are symbolic of energy coming to its zenith or its height of power. This makes it an excellent time to perform gratitude ritual work, release and forgiveness work, and to celebrate. This full moon has the potential to be one of the most intensely powerful and transformative of 2019. So just a heads up, 
Powerfully transformative can also mean traumatic as fuck. The last full blood moon eclipse was in Aquarius in July 2018. Can you recall any bombshells that were dropped in your life early in August following that lunar event? I know I had my share of personal things that abruptly vanished during that period of time. Feel free to reach out on social at Blood Moon Milk to commiserate or enlighten me with your own stories of eclipse drama. I love hearing from you guys. It's so much fun. Even if the stories are intense, I'm there with you, rooting for you, and I'm in your corner. I just want you to make the best of it. With all that in mind, let's talk about Leo because that is the sign that this eclipse is occurring in. Leo is the fifth sign of the zodiac, and it's the middle of the fire triad between Aries and Sagittarius. It's a fixed sign and it's thought of as being ruled by the sun. Certain Greek astrologers think that the lion was placed in the heavens because it was the king of the beasts. This also pertains to its ruling star, Regulus. Regulus is said to be the star of royalty and lies within the lion's heart. It's also been referred to as the king star by early English astrologers and throughout the classical days as a supposed cause of the summer's heat because of its fiery nature. Because of this connection with royalty, ancient astrologers would look at Regulus as an indicator of political tidings. Thus, those with Leo figuring prominently in their charts are thought to be natural-born leaders and are sometimes led by their hearts. They're in love with life and love laughing and having a good time. This is actually a common fire sign quality and you can find it being prominently featured in Aries and Sagittarius as well. Leos are capable of using their mind to solve the most difficult problems. They can easily take an initiative in resolving various complicated situations. This is their leadership abilities in action. Leos are in search of self-awareness and in constant growth of ego, which can absolutely be their downfall. Regulus is a really complicated star, and because of its association with royalty, it's also closely tied to military campaigns. And because of that, it also has a violent streak. This doesn't mean that all Leos are violent, but certainly every lion has its teeth and its claws. Because of Regulus's influence, it lends Leo a streak of violence and destructiveness, military honor of short duration with ultimate failure, possible imprisonment, violent deaths, but it also comes with success, high and lofty ideals, and strength of spirit. It also makes its natives magnanimous, grandly liberal, generous, ambitious, and fond of power. So you can see how complicated that Leo energy really is. I can promise you that every Leo would much rather be lounging around, laughing and playing, and having fun with the spotlight on them than they would be waging war. Unless they have some other very dark aspects in their chart. Let's take a closer look at the Leo mythology to get a better idea of where and why we think of Leo this way. In Western astrology, we most associate Leo with the Greek myth of Hercules. If you want to know more about Hercules, I highly recommend that you check out the most recent Full Moon and Cancer episode. Hercules gets a deep dive because of his relationship with Cancer through Hera, and that's exactly why he is reappearing here as well. Hercules was sent on a quest to perform 12 labors to absolve himself of the guilt 
from murdering his wife and children imposed on him by Hera, the goddess of hearth and home. Hera hated Hercules even though she inadvertently nurtured him as a baby. Hera was insecure and threatened by Hercules, and because of this, she set out to drive Hercules crazy, and she was absolutely successful in that endeavor. She drove him so cray-cray, he killed his entire family. However, the first of Hercules' labors was to slay the lion of Nemea. The lion was a man-eater. Its skin was impervious to all the weapons, and Hercules found this out when he shot an arrow at the lion and saw that it just bounced off. Instead of using weapons, Hercules eventually just wrestled with the lion and choked it to death. This is why we associate Leo with short-lived military successes. Because that lion, it was used to just getting by because it was impervious to weapons, but it didn't see that chokehold coming. It let its ego get the best of it. It was so used to getting by without needing any extra protections because it was used to being impervious to weapons, and that was ultimately its downfall. There's another myth associated with Leo, though, and this one has more to do with Leo's heart. Which again, in the constellation of Leo, Regulus is the heart of the lion and its ruling star, so it's highly symbolic. This myth comes from Ovid's tale of Pyramus and Thisbe. It's kind of similar to Romeo and Juliet in a little bit of a way, so if it sounds familiar, I'm sure that Shakespeare got his inspiration from Ovid because he predates him by hundreds of years. So similarly to Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, both sets of parents of this young couple considered them too young to marry and opposed their union and stopped them from seeing each other. However, the pair made arrangements to meet secretly by a mulberry tree with white berries. Thisbe arrived to the mulberry tree first, and when she arrived, there was a lion who jumped out from behind some bushes and scared her, and she went running away. Her wedding veil flew off while she was running in terror, and the lion, bloody from his most recent kill, pounced on the veil like a kitten with a new toy. Pyramus showed up shortly after, and seeing the bloody lion with the veil in his mouth, was sure his beloved was dead, and so he killed himself with his own sword. And then Thisbe arrived back and looking for her beloved and saw him laying dying, and she decided to kill herself with his same sword. And it was the blood of the two star-crossed lovers that, that turned the mulberry tree's white berries to red. So with those myths in mind, let's go over the high vibes and low vibes of Leo. On the high side, they can be incredibly creative, passionate, generous, warm-hearted, super cheerful and playful. Uh, that line was really just playing with her veil uh, in that myth from Ovid. And they can be humorous. Their key physical attribute, much like a lion's mane, is their hair. It's not always just big and mane-like. Sometimes they just pay special attention to it, or it just happens to come to mind when you envision them. On the low side, Leos can be arrogant, stubborn, self-centered, lazy to a fault, inflexible, and they can definitely be the biggest narcissist of the Zodiac. And did I say lazy? I mean, they can be really, really lazy and stubborn about being lazy. So with that, let's take a quick music break and we'll come back for the rest of the show. This is King and Lionheart by Of Monsters and Men. 
should worry But these problems aside I think I taught you well Then we won't run And we won't run And we won't run And in the winter night sky Ships are sailing Looking down Far away, the far away. 
So let's go ahead and talk about the other things other than the moon going on in the sky during this full moon. So the sun will be in Aquarius and it's going to be opposite the moon. The Aquarian sun is also going to be conjunct Mercury, which makes these kind of, it makes people sort of subjective to their ideas and opinions. And honestly, people aren't going to be super receptive to hearing new ideas unless you're kind of preaching to the choir. So keep that in mind during this lunation. Basically, what I'm saying is that people aren't going to be receptive to new ideas and it can lead to arguments if you're not careful. So if you know that you're going to meet up with somebody who's really stubborn in their ways and has their own opinions about whatever it is, just keep that in mind and try not to stir the pot too much because it's not going to go anywhere except for maybe a big blow up. The sun will also be squaring up with Uranus, and this makes for a really eccentric kind of crazy time period, honestly. Uranus kind of throws things at us from left field and things that we would never expect to happen ha happen during this kind of transit. So be on the lookout and expect the unexpected. The sun will also be conjunct Pluto, which it helps for the energy of self-promotion. And so if there's some sort of an event uh, that you need to get out there and let people know about, this is a great energy to tap into for exactly that. The moon's also going to be opposite Mercury. And this kind of lends us with, it leaves us with feelings of inadequacy sometimes. So if you feel like you're not good enough, um, just know that you you are. It's just a passing phase. Or maybe there really are legitimately some skills that you could hone in and on and develop and make a concerted plan to advance those skills. But try to avoid beating up on yourself unnecessarily. We all have shortcomings and nobody's perfect. The moon is also going to be square Uranus. And this kind of, again, it lends to those unpredictable situations and uh, sort of out of the blue occurrences that lead to dilemmas that we just never expected. But hopefully, um, this kind of occurrence can be overseen and, and sorted through with a level head and trying not to be reactionary and instead keep your cool and think about things from a logical place. The moon's also going to be opposite from Saturn, and this means it can be kind of a sad time. The moon is all about our emotions, and Saturn is all about limits. The moon's going to be in Leo, and it's going to be getting eclipsed by by the sun, and so our emotions might very well be having a difficult time dealing with limits and boundaries, but also from just really kind of maybe being a bit on the dark side, even though uh, you would expect or everybody might look at you and think that you should be happy or you should feel a certain way or you don't have anything to be truly upset about. But it, the time is really right for unexpected developments that you just see coming from, no, like you wouldn't see coming from anywhere and they can really mess with you. So it's a good time to stay home and try not to stir the pot too much because I think the universe is going to be doing that enough for us 
on its own and we don't need to go add fuel to that fire. And if you do, you're really just asking for trouble. The moon's also opposite Pluto and this can be um, indicative of people who are really um, an energy of people going after what it is they want. And this can be good if it's a calculated move and it can be less good if it's really impetuous and just sort of uh, a reckless decision. So I'm not going to give you the go ahead to just like throw caution to the wind. Um, I'm because this can be a really, really intense transit. I'm really going to say just to um, be on the lookout for rash decisions that can really cause harm and try to just, again, keep that level head during this full moon. Full moons are known for having really intense energy, and a lot of these transits are in, in themselves really intense, so keep that in mind. I really wish from the bottom of my heart that I could say this full moon is going to be super fun and full of wonderful aspects that really bring out the best in everybody, but unfortunately the universe has other things in store for us and I wouldn't be surprised if this was actually a pretty catastrophic time. So hang in there everybody. I'm rooting for each and every one of you. Whether I know you, I don't know you, even if I know you and I haven't talked to you in a long time or you think I hate you, I probably don't. Um, I, I want everybody out there to just be prepared for the crazy curveballs life has in store and the best way of kind of doing that that I know of other than, you know, common sense and education and making good decisions is being able to look at the stars. So that's my gift to all of you. So I've got a couple of quick plugs I'd like to talk about really quickly. Um, I've got a workshop coming up on January 26th, which is going to be incredible. It's a combination sacred cacao ceremony and journey with the practitioner Nina Simone. And she's incredible. She's Nina Simone of Crystal Sun Yoga and Healing and super powerful in her own right. And we are coming together to do a half sacred cacao ceremony paired with a natal chart exploration. So everybody who attends, they get the sacred cacao ceremony and they get a natal chart uh, cast and interpreted. And I'll be talking about how to read a natal chart and how to understand what different placements mean as well as different signs and you get to meet me in person and uh, have some delicious cacao that's going to be a really healing and intense uh, tool for introspection and self-development. Um, there's a link on my Instagram profile. If you click on the link in my bio, uh, there's a link that'll take you to the Facebook page where you can register for the event. And I am super excited to be able to say I'm uh, getting my events booked and planned for the rest of the year. And uh, if you are out there and are interested in having an astrology workshop with me, uh, don't hesitate to reach out. I love doing this stuff and I am happy to travel. Coming up on February 10th, I'm doing the Argosy pop-up in the evening and I will be there uh, talking about astrology, doing tarot card readings, and I also have some crystals that are from my dad's private collection that have been in my family for a long time that we frankly just have too many crystals. We have an overabundance and I, I just need to shift that energy around a little bit. So come say hi. 
um, it'd be great to meet you in person. And that's in Atlanta. So if you're in Atlanta, both of these, the workshop and the February 10th pop-up at Argosy are both in Atlanta. Also, so I have been noticing on Instagram that once again, they're changing their algorithm. So people aren't seeing my daily illustrated horoscopes as much as they used to. And honestly, I love doing the daily horoscopes. I want to keep doing them. They're a great creative exercise for me, and I want to keep making that content. But I really want to reconsider the best way to get that content out there. And I'm thinking about shifting or offering, in addition to what I already do, a daily newsletter. Just pop up in your email, and you can get your daily illustrated horoscope, and uh, you'll never miss it. So... Um, if that is interesting to you, feel free to reach out to me or, uh, on Instagram at blood moon milk. I know it's ironic that I'm saying I want to get off of Instagram, but that's the best way for people to get in touch with me at the moment. Um, not necessarily. I don't want to get off of Instagram. I just want to develop better tools for people to consistently see the stuff that they say that they want to see. And instead of having... Instagram sort of filtering and deciding for people what it wants to, wants people to see, aka it only wants you to see the things that people are paying to see. Um, and a lot of this work that I do is free and I'm, I'm okay with that. I can't, uh, frankly, I can't afford to pay, nor do I want to pay Instagram my hard earned money to promote something that I feel like should grow organically. Um, so if that's something that you would like to do, uh, reach out to me. I will put your email on the email list and when it goes out, you will, you will be having it in your email on a regular basis. I'd like to go ahead and mention my synastry readings that I'm offering. These are readings for couples or partners, not necessarily romantic, but it's certainly helpful for romantic partners. What it does, it talks about the two energies of the partners coming together and the way that the two individuals work as a group. And so how one person's energy affects the other and vice versa and how to, it's also, it's a great tool for opening up lines of dialogue and communication in a non threatening, non-accusatory way to kind of get the conversation and the communication lines flowing in a positive way to grow a little bit in a kind, uh, supportive way that really is kind of fun as well. Um, those are for sale on the website. If you click on the link in the Instagram bio, you can find all of the offerings there and also explore the website. The Senestry readings are the ones for couples and I'll be offering a discount of 30% if uh, you would like a synastry reading between the Leo full moon and Valentine's Day, I'm offering 30% off for podcast listeners with the offer code arrow. We're going to take another music break and we'll be back to talk about crystals, chakras, and wrap up with our questions for mindfulness, manifestation, and meditation. This is Deer Tick with Blood Moon because this is a blood moon eclipse.
let's talk about crystals. And before we talk about the specific stones I've picked for us to work with during this lunation, I want to talk about something called crystal toxicity and how to acknowledge and then help to detox negative energy in your crystals in order to return the honor of the spirit of the stones. Crystals work for us and with us, but we are the powerful ones asking them to do work. And it's not fair to ask them to do work for us if we're not acknowledging their journey to us. A lot of times crystals come from economically unstable areas of the world where basically people in uh, a position of financial advantage hire those who are less fortunate to go basically rape the earth and take these stones from from their homes. And then they are passed from greedy hand to greedy hand. And then they end up in stores and in booths and stalls and markets all over the place. And a lot of greed has touched them. And a lot of these stone spirits just sort of leave because it's such a traumatizing journey. And so we end up with something that's sort of devoid of any magical properties, furthering the the destruction of our environment. And ultimately, when the environment is gone, there's nothing that we can do to replace that. Once it's gone, it's gone. So how do we acknowledge and deal with this reality while still being able to work with stones and have what it is that we need in our repertoire? First of all, I think it's really important to only buy crystals from places that ethically source them. What does ethically sourced stones mean? It means they're not taking too much of something and destroying entire habitats of certain animals And they're also paying their workers fairly and also making sure that safety precautions are being taken as well as making sure that, you know, try not to buy your crystals from like huge stores. It's better to know the mine owner the in the situation where your stuff comes from, um, or at least to know the origin of it. When I go shopping for stones. I I go to the same producers that I've been going to for decades, and I have a relationship with them, and I, I know that the stones that they're selling me are coming from a place uh, with a certain provenance. And while, yes, they are being mined, um, they're doing it in as respectfully as possible, not just buying something because it's pretty at home goods or at TJ Maxx or something is probably a good call because those stones that you get at a place like that have just sort of been abused so much since they've been taken from their homes that they're just their spirits are sort of gone. Um, so how can we help to repair and acknowledge this? Well, one thing you can do is to clear your stones. You can smudge them and you can also let them charge in the sunlight or in the light of the moon, depending on what it is you're trying to accomplish with that stone. Just whatever it is you want to accomplish, be mindful of that end goal and then work backwards to infuse it with those energies and intentions in a way that is in line with that purpose. It's also a good idea um, to perhaps make a contribution to an environmental organization that can help offset any of the damage in another way. So you're shifting the energy and intention around from just purely being a consumer who's buying pretty sparkly things to also giving back to help rebuild environments 
that's a great option. And then also you can charge your crystals with Reiki or or a mantra or or you can chant with them and instill them with your intention. And remember, ultimately they're tools for you to use, but it's a privilege to be able to use them. So with that PSA out of the way, I'd like to talk about Moldavite. Moldavite's pretty much only found in one place, and that's the Czech Republic. It's thought to have come from a meteorite hit. Because of that, embodies a lot of alien properties to it. It's usually a dark green color, and because of this, it resonates really strongly with the heart chakra, which, as you might have suspected, is the chakra most closely identified with the sign of Leo. We think of Leo as being closely identified with the heart chakra because, again, Regulus is the star and the lion's heart and the constellation of Leo, and Regulus is the ruling star of the constellation. Moldavite can, however, activate all of the chakras. So added bonus, it can align everything, but it's especially gifted with resonating with the heart chakra's energy. It's thought to also have powers of of being an aid to help connect with the cosmic energy because it's alien to the planet having originated from an asteroid strike in the Czech Republic. And because of this, it's a great ally with meditative work and dream work and even work on the astral plane. It's an excellent tool in self-healing through clearing blockages and opening up meridians. This is the same way that yoga works and acupuncture works in helping to heal people as well, just FYI. Perhaps Moldavite's greatest gift though to us is helping to align one's energies in all plateaus of awareness, all the way from our astral body into our physical body and our chakras. Moldavite is of the storm element, and even though Leo is a fire sign, I feel like there is definitely an element of fire within storm. So it's almost an elevated version of the fire element in a way to work with, but even more complicated and advanced than purely just fire. But the storm elements are excellent at cleansing and making space for transformation, which is why I think during this eclipse, I suggest finding a piece of Moldavite to work with. It can help you connect with your guides, expand your consciousness, and align your chakras. So so whatever this eclipse may have in store for you, I think that it's a great ally so that whatever happens, it happens for your highest and best good. So with that, let's go ahead and talk about our questions for mindfulness, meditation, and manifestation. Have I been too selfish recently? Is there a way that I can reframe my focus in order to think about others to better understand myself and my place in the world? Are there any opportunities that I can think of that will allow me to treat those around me with more respect? How can I demonstrate my respect and gratitude towards others in a meaningful way? Have I been vain recently? Have I put too much emphasis on my looks? What is it that I can do to cultivate a rich inner life and inner beauty? How can I express my love more clearly? Is there a creative project that I would love to tackle or like to finish? What is something that I can do to give back to my environment and my community? Remember, there is no spiritual growth without spiritual giving. What is something you can do to show gratitude for your blessings and your ability to give back? And lastly, what is it that you can do to really open up and heal that heart chakra to create room for new growth and new opportunities? And that is it for the full moon in Leo super blood moon eclipse. You can follow our daily horoscopes on Instagram and reach out at Blood Moon Milk. This show is written by me, Aurora Yarberry, and edited by the very talented Adam McIntyre.
Come see me. Come say hi. Book me for a one-on-one session. We can talk about all the astrology and its effects on your chart. I'm around. Get in touch. I love it when people say hi. This is I'm Not Running Away From This by Hearts Like Lions. episode that's dropping at the same time. I chat with the lovely Malia Rifkin and her husband Amos, and they are both super talented in their own right. Amos is a drummer and musician and uh, 
show producer here in Atlanta, and Malia is a very gifted artist and tattoo artist. So stick around and enjoy the show. <laughs> 